0: Welcome to the Fitness Nerdcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Smith, with fellow coach Stephanie Holbrook, where we get a chance to geek out on all things fitness and bring it to you. First off, things presented here are our opinions developed with over 40 years of combined experience. We are not medical doctors, and any information presented here is purely informational. If you'd be interested in working with us, please email us at fitnessnerdspodcast at gmail.com, or hop over to our website and blog at fitnessnerdspodcast.com. While you're online, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fitnessnerdspodcast. Now on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Fitness Nerds Podcast. I have Peter again. Peter has really helped me dial in my nutrition, and I... Love talking to him so he can help other folks just like me reach their goals. So, Peter, what our topic today is on racing and recovering. Okay. How are you today?
1: I'm I'm doing great. How are you, Stephanie?
0: I'm doing great. And we were spending a lot of time chatting just about racing and recovering and dialing in a program. And I was like, well, shoot, we should be recording.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm looking forward to this because, um, I have a sort of a, an interesting theory we were talking about last night that I want to share about people with their racing, uh, and it applies directly to recovery. So let's, let's just start into this.
0: We've been talking about how to get using your holidays into, uh, to getting into a fat burning state and then, which I did before the holidays, and I actually had a, a race Tor de Tucson before Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving, and it was probably my best ever. I mean, I it was my fastest fifty-five miles. I didn't do the hundred nine at at Tour de Tucson. I I just wanted to train for the fifty-five. I used the Vespa, and I didn't have. I uh, had like three Rolos for nutrition. And, um, I stopped once to call my husband to find out where he was. He had finished the, the, the ride. And then I was stopped at probably four or five stoplights because the last part of the course is, you know, it's roads that they, they stop you because it's a ride, not a race. <laughs> so, and I still averaged over 16 miles per hour. And that was my Garmin time. So my actual race time, my race speed was faster. And I didn't actually draft as much as I would have liked. So I think if, if I was drafting, I probably would have been, been a lot faster. That's the great thing about this program. I'm 45. I was doing races 10 years ago and I didn't have as good of results as I'm having now.
1: That's wonderful, Stephanie. It's great to logically back to that fat as fuel approach for most of their aerobic, um, spectrum. So. So yeah, well, what I wanted to, to, to look at is, is this is what we want to have people do is, is have, have their, their goal events be that sort of thing where you feel like you say, like your husband says, you know, when you're using the Vespa and you're, you're fat adapted, you can just dig deeper. And, um, and feel like you wanted, you want to dig deeper. You know, you know, it's like, like when I tell people about how to use Vespa for a, a higher intensity workout, the only thing I can say to them is, is when the difficulty of the workout pushes up against you, you, you want to push back rather than that feeling of just trying to hold on and, and get through that hard workout.
0: Right. Yeah. The last, um, I would say for, so I was a little, I mean, my legs were getting tired but I still felt like I wanted to push myself into the end. I never once wanted to, you know, back off and like, all right, I'm going to take it easy and roll in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's, that's so, so, you know, you're seeing, you're starting to see the benefits of it and, and because you've had the openness and willingness to try this approach and play with it, it's, it's worked for you. And, and I think uh, what you were saying earlier about, you know, being involved in endurance sports for a long time and, and being a coach and going with, um, the conventional wisdom and, and not getting results is relevant. And, and, and that's a story I think, uh, your listeners really should be listening to because, you know, you're, you're 45 year old female. You got the husband, the kids, the job. You're, you're, you're basically you know 60 70% of the female endurance athletic community out there and uh not not just the endurance act, uh, community but but you know when you look at beginning training groups um for runners and stuff that's a big thing right now um the the demographics is is largely comprised of of females uh, upper 20s to mid 50s and uh as i always say the unspoken goal is is to lose weight you know, everybody wants right. to do their first race and they want to maybe go from a 5K to a 10K to a half marathon to a marathon, but, and they yeah. want to feel good and they want to exercise, but and they, they just don't look good. Yeah. They want, they want to look good. And, and, you know, so many of them are, are so disappointed. Some of them get results and as soon as they stop, they, the weight gain goes right back and, and, um, or some of them, you know, as they move to the longer distances and, Start to do more, more, more endurance stuff, they actually plateau or, or start to pick up weight. So uh, I think, yes. I think your story is, is, is pretty relevant as, as a starting point for this uh, podcast.
0: Right. I mean, and I can tell you, I used to be a, a campaign manager for team and training, and we have a lot of first time marathoners or first time endurance athletes because I, I managed the marathon programs and then later the triathlon and cycling programs. And, and that's really, I got into endurance sports with team and training. Um, My brother had passed away from cancer um, when he was in his early 20s. So I was really motivated to do something in memory of him. And I thought, you know, a side effect would be to, I could get lean and feel good. But I was always chasing that goal. I really do love endurance sports. And I I didn't want to give that up. But I kept breaking myself down until I was injured. And couldn't, I couldn't even race anymore. And if, I'm sure you know that it becomes your friends. That's where you socialize. You, you know, you socialize running, you socialize on the bike. And that was a big part of my social, you know, socialization. And after I became injured, I became really, really depressed because not only was I hurt. I mean, I didn't feel great anyway. It's sort of crazy how we keep pushing ourselves, even though we're not like... (laughs) were in bad shape. And then, um, I lost all my, my sense of community because I would spend my weekends running with friends or riding my bike or, and stuff like that. So it was pretty traumatic. And now that I, I'm feeling good and I'm racing faster, although I have to say my friends are great, but I dropped them like a rock on the Tour de to Tucson because I wanted to see how fast I could go. And they understood. I told them ahead of time. But uh, I just, it's a great feeling to be able to race and have good results and then to bounce back so fast. I felt great the next day and the day after, and um, I bounced back like like a charm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And not to mention that, uh, you're losing the, the fat and water weight. Um, and, and that's relevant. Um, you know, you say you've told me you, you know, started to have to drop a, a size or two in your clothing and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and, and people need to know that, 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 that the far as the weight loss, it's not with this whole fat burning thing, when you get it right, it's, it's not quite so simple, simplistic as hopping on the scale in the morning. So people need to, to understand that, that don't go by what the scale saying, go by how your clothes fit and how what people are saying to you. Because, um, one of the key things that, that, that happens when you get the nutrition right and you get your body burning fat as fuel, not just for fuel, but for all the uh, fat soluble vitamins and, and stuff that's in them plus all the other food, you're eating all the vitamins and minerals that are in there are now being metabolized rather than your body's just like, oh my God, I've got to drive this blood sugar down. Uh, so you pick up lean body mass and bone density at the same time you're losing the fat and water weight. So the scale starts to move, but it sure does move slowly. So a right. lot of people get frustrated with that.
0: Right. Like when I started working with you, I weighed 184, which is pretty steep. And then right now I weigh 168. So whatever pounds, 15 pounds, but I've lost the same amount in percentage of body fat because right now I'm at 23% body fat according to my willing skill. And, um, I was at like 40% body fat when I started. So that's a right. big difference.
1: Right. And so, so what that translates to for a lot of people, um, your audience is that you you look much thinner than you than the scale actually uh, says, and and you're but you're 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 just much more robust in terms of your overall health and and ability to perform and train at a high level.
0: Right, and I went from a size 16 pants to a size 12. I just bought 12s, and my 12s are even a little loose, but I don't like tight pants, so. And then I bought medium shirts and sweaters and um, I haven't worn a medium, I was wearing extra large. So that's a big, that's a big jump in sizes, which is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is a good, good starting point And, and, and that's the thing is like your trajectory now is that your body wants to burn fat and this is, this is the key to optimize fat metabolism. Is you want to get your body to that physiological state to where it wants to burn the fat for not just everyday life, but when you perform and and when we're saying when you're training and when you're racing, and it doesn't matter whether you're going out for a 45 minute to an hour recovery run or, or spin, or you're going to go out for three or four hours and do a brick or a, you know, long run. For a long ride. And, and, and that's the key is, is get the body back to that physiological state where it wants to burn fat. And, and this is opposed very much different than what the traditional approach is where physiologically the methods of a high carb, low fat diet, caloric restriction, the old calories in, calories out, and exercise is good for you. Um, is different because when you're in that physiological State of a, of a high carb, low fat diet, trying to exercise. Um, your body is under a lot of stress and it wants to hoard the fat. And then you're, you're absolutely, it, when people lose weight under that regimen, particularly women, um, they're, they're forcing the body to le- lose fat. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a yo-yo and a recipe for a, for disaster because, uh as so many people know when they when they stop a program like this um and usually it's, they stop it whether they're aware of it or not because it's just they just can't sustain it they the weight comes back with a vengeance
0: hi and i think that um our culture says you know they like to say oh you have to just exercise more and eat less and that's the formula and then people beat themselves up because they can't sustain that Because they're trying to eat less and less and exercising more and more. And it makes them feel horrible. But you should want your you should feel so good if you have the right diet. You should feel so good that you want to exercise because you feel like moving. So it's like sort of backwards. You know, your your I believe, and I, I think you do too, your diet comes first. And then you use that energy that you have to that you can exercise the other way. It just seems like you end up broken.
1: That you're, you're absolutely right. And actually, um, from the literature out there, the published literature in, in weight loss using a ketogenic diet, there, there's some suggestion of that. Some of the, um, earlier ketogenic studies that, uh, Dr. Finney was involved with. That was one of the things they, they actually noted is that once people got a fat adapted, um, They actually wanted to exercise. They wanted to move around and their performance was as good, if not better than their pre, pre, uh, key fat adapted state. Now, these were relatively sedentary people, but the interesting thing was, um, and I'm talking off the top of my head is these subjects, what they did in the, because it was a, it was a controlled study with a, in a feeding, uh, settings so they weren't doing dietary studies they were actually feeding the people so they they knew exactly what they were doing to induce ketosis these people when they were doing the treadmill they actually put a backpack with weights in it to compensate for the weight loss and these people were actually wanting to exercise you know they're they're they wanted to do the work at that point and they could do the, the 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 treadmill and actually have better performance metrics um now, this isn't a race simulation or an athletic kind of thing, but but that was one of the, the the noted things in the literature out there that that you you know. So it's consistent with what you're saying that you actually feel like exercising and and it feels good. Um, and and especially like one of the things you probably notice is once you get warmed up and moving, you actually feel like like doing the workout. I know for me, the first forty minutes is is the worst part of right. any of my workouts.
0: That's- the same for me. It's program. It does take me a long time to warm up, but once I'm warmed up, it's like I turned on a switch and it's like, okay, now I can go.
1: Yeah, and you can go on and on and on. So it's it's <laughs> it's not it's it's nothing to go for for hours at a nice steady pace, or or roll into a you know an interval workout or something like that, and for thirty minutes and feel like you can push it and end up not you know. Just absolutely wrecked and and ravenous afterwards.
0: I, I agree.
1: So, so what we, what I wanted to say leading up to that. So we want to get the body back to burning fat. So you want to exercise. Now it's important for the, for the audience to understand that, that once you're in this state, carbohydrates now can be. Brought back in, in in the concentrated form, so we're not saying this is going to be a strict ketogenic diet. And there's a lot of of confusion out there about this, and and people interpret this as a strict high fat diet. And there's and and you know they're going to say, oh, you need the carbs to perform, and 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 carbs are the only way, which which I have no uh, qualms about. You know, I'm not, I'm here to, not here to argue that. I mean, everything in the literature and everything in observational evidence that I've seen with athletes is, is we need, we do need that glycolytic pathway that carbs provide to give you that quick burst of energy, that, that surging ability to really go. But with optimized fat metabolism, you can put that on the top end of your aerobic spectrum and into your aerobic Spectrum of your physiology, and not have to use it to fuel your entire one, your entire spectrum of of aerobics, um, which is what a lot of times happens to a lot of people when they carb load, because carb loading, carb loading forces your body to secrete a lot of insulin to drive all that blood sugar down, and when you saturate the bloodstream with insulin, you're basically shutting off that fat burning switch. So people are burning glucose, which is the limited fuel supply, your fight or flight fuel, not your aerobic stability fuel. And um, then all of a sudden, you know, it's an unsustainable situation in terms of uh, both athleticism and performance, because everybody knows they're going to hit the wall in a marathon because your, your glycogen right. stores is only a, a couple of hours at best. And so, you add your glycogen stores plus whatever you can you know, choke down during a, a an event, and all of a sudden you, you're on a limited thing. Whereas, you know, the fat. Once again, we go back to the whole concept of of fat is is what we've got unlimited amounts of. And and as I say, you know, the reason we carry a lot of fat is because that's what we're meant to burn aerobically. So back to this whole thing of carbs aren't eliminated. and People need to recognize that that we're going to use carbs both in the diet and in your. Your endurance events strategically so people can get the performance. What we're going to go to here is how we can use that, that big event where you're, where you're training up for your big endurance event. And one of the, the things that, that I do with the, with the athletes that I work with the, the top elite endurance athletes is we, we try to look at one component of that A race as a training event, meaning you're going to, we're going to race it, but then how do we look at the recovery so that we look at that as training and so that that adaptation post event causes your body to, to do all the things it needs to, to, to take the stress and adapt and get stronger. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. That, and in high intensity, high volume training, you're going to need some carbs and right. especially, especially like with women. Right. Um, you, you need some carbs to avoid any kind of, uh, adrenal fatigue.
0: I know I, I probably, um, if I had just ate carbs, like a bunch of carbs on one day, it would have, you know, driven up my sugar and then I would have had to release insulin and it would have been a pretty, um, I would have probably started craving carbs again, but because I had it the night before and then, and I didn't go crazy with it, um, Uh, did the race the next day it it burned off all that sugar and or carbohydrates in my system and and I was fine after that
1: yeah yeah And, and and what it also what it is 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 when you when you keep the when you're in ketosis and you're 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 doing this properly you get very insulin sensitive which means when you do have that Carb carb event, your body's not going to secrete a ton of insulin, and so it's going to drive the blood sugar down, but it'll drive back back to baseline, not too low to where you're hypoglycemic and starving again, and and then carbing up again, and and not on that roller coaster. So you you as you get in that thing, then your body's able to deal with, with the carb that you know those occasional carb events the way it's meant to, and and as you say. This, what you're saying is very consistent is you can have something, uh, rice pasta one, one night before an event, do a, do a event where you're burning a lot of calories and a lot of more fat calories and your, your, your hormones are right back in balance and fat burning the next day without any kind of effort. And so that's what we want to get it. And that's, it's, it's trickier for women. But it's doable and you're, you're a perfect example of that. But, but this is very typical of what I hear from male athletes that, that, you know, they'll, they'll go out and have beer and pizza with buddies and then they'll tell me how sick they're feeling, but they can go right back into (laughs) exercising all day. Um, so that's, that's things. You know what I was saying to your athletes uh, and your audience is that that you know we don't want to make this restrictable. Re- the The main take home message is we don't want to make this uh, such a restrictive diet that you can't do it. Because I'm all about making it doable in the context of each athlete's life. Because if you can't make it doable, people simply aren't going to do it, and it's not going to work. Whether it's whether it's ketosis or a high carb, low fat diet and exercise.
0: Right, and we had discussed that earlier um, when we were off air about both of us have seen studies that they've tried implementing a ketogenic diet for um, cancer patients because it's been shown and you know theorized that in shown in some people and theorized you know by others that it's been very beneficial, but whenever they implement the studies. A lot of the patients dropped out of the study because they couldn't stick to it because it was too restrictive. But part of the problem is they're not doing it right. Because for me, my biggest problem—the amount of fat that you have to eat to really get to a good burning fat-burning state—is it's different for everybody. But for me, it was a lot of fat. Like I had to go to like 90% of my calories of fat um, when I first started. And Peter and I had talked about that. That's just, I needed to go to that end of the spectrum to really get into, um, a fat burning state and to feel good. And the amount of salt I needed was pretty substantial. I would say at least a couple teaspoons a day or else I was getting leg cramps and I didn't feel good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something, this is something that's consistent. It's, it's, it, and I see this observationally and I think this is Part of the thing that needs to be researched in the in the more uh, conventional ketogenic diet studies and addressed is is that after thirty forty years of the high carb low fat diet, you whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, there's a lot of people that I'm seeing that have to go. You know, the gold standard for the quote science, and I don't want people to start counting their macronutrient profiles, but that <clears throat> thirty or, or twenty grams right. a day.
0: And I don't have to do that now because I can eat more than that and still feel good all evening. I didn't even need to eat anything after that. I didn't have any food. And I felt great. Bounced back. I went to bed normally. Felt great. The next morning got up and, and exercised and I felt great. So I think the, the thing that you had just talked about, you don't want it to be so restricted that people can't stick to it. The first part when you're trying to get fat adapted for me i needed to be really strict because i needed to to get to that state and it took having a, you know pretty much 90% of my calories from fat and 20 less than 20 grams a day of carbs and hardly any protein probably the size of a half of a chicken breast and now i can do more than that and i'm fine i had to go pretty extreme to get to where i felt good and um cuz i had tried 50 grams before um, and I never could get into uh, a good state of ketosis. I have a breath ketone meter and a glucose meter, and I was really checking it to see, like, because I wanted to correlate how I felt to what the meter said. And it, and when I went to the, the far end of the spectrum is when I could finally get into the state of, you know, into really good ketosis, and now I can back off, and I, it's everything's still working.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 what people need to understand is that induction phase is about the only place where you got to be disciplined, and and also what we try to have people do is 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 like after a big event when you're in that that those first three or four days of recovery, that's the time to kind of really ratchet the carbs down and I don't mean like to 20 grams or less. I mean just keep the concentrated forms out and and focus on recovery foods, nutrient-dense, nutrient-bioavailable foods like, you know, like, my, you know, my favorite is the fresh liver, of course, and the bone broth, and right. and and mixtures of that, avocados, tomatoes. It's the uh, concentrated carbohydrates, which are basically concentrated sugar sources, out in those recovery phases, and that that has the habit of of just tune, very quickly tuning up your your endocrine system, so you you'll stay in fat burning mode, and also the you should, when you're properly fat adapted, and this is something, Stephanie, you're, you're alluding to in what you're saying about your experiences after a big event. If you're in your body, the exact opposite happens of the conventional approach that, that overarching craving for food that people get after running a marathon or running a, or riding a hundred mile or doing a half Ironman for the next week. It's, it's the opposite. You're actually hunger suppressed and, and, it, and eating is a chore unless you start eating out of habit because we have food around all the time we tend to munch but and, and you know the industry wants us to munch but but the truth is you're you're hunger suppressed so I, I suggest to people that that they stay in recovery but stay engaged with activities whether it's work family life reading so that you're not going back to that hunger trigger of what do i do next because it's 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 like my saying goes you know if you don't you know what is it uh, benjamin franklin said in, poor Richard Almanac, you know, an idle mind is the devil's workshop.
0: Right. I've also wanted to say, Peter, even though like being around food that's there and we eat out of habit, I think a lot of times we eat because we see food and we get those triggers to want to eat. But since I've been really few months into this whole program, I have willpower now. I don't need to eat anything. I'm around food and I don't crave it or want it. And I'll tell you, in the past, As soon as I saw anything, I would be a nut. Like, I have to have it. I think a lot of times people beat themselves up, especially women, that, oh, if I just had willpower. It's not willpower. It's your biology. It's your body telling you, survive, survive, eat. And one of the things also that has really helped me is having longer periods of fasting. When I go through a, a stint where I just eat... I usually only eat one big meal a day and it's about, it's at lunch and it's not that big. And then, um, at, I, I get home from work and at about five o'clock I'll have something small and then I'm done for, for the day. And, um, and I have coffee with fat in the morning. So like either, um, usually with butter and, um, cinnamon oil and, and and it's pretty tasty but the longer i go in between meals i feel better and that's when things really started to click for the weight loss was giving myself longer and longer times between meals
1: yeah that's that's something that's the, that I was going to address here next and and that's the other thing is when when you when you do this you want to get the fat up and especially in the first part fat up Protein moderate or small and, and carbs way, way down. You don't want to try and exercise during that induction period, um, because unless you want to, like, and when you do, just go easy. But the other thing that's very key and particularly for women, and I'll explain why in a second is the, um, don't do this five or six meals a day type of thing that that everybody's going to because that's the carb convention and it's it's too it's really a, a it's really for some some women in particular it's it has disastrous effects for for exactly what you're talking about with the the, the feeding frequency because what it does is it just it destroys your leptin res- sensitivity and and leptin is produced by the fat cells, and it goes to the hypothalamus in your brain and it tells your body, oh, I'm full. And and women produce two to three times the leptin of men. And so it's real easy for them. And I don't know why, and it's still kind of not understood why, but but theoretically, because they produce more leptin, they should be able to tell themselves they're full faster. But what happens is they get leptin resistant, so that message isn't get being heard. And um this is one of the things is you should be down to when you start, you should go three meals a day, no more, and, and your pattern of eating that eat at five, six, seven o'clock, what works for you. Some people need to wait till like eight o'clock, but after you finish your evening meal, it's it's vitally important for your circadian rhythm and, and the the hormonal cycling that goes on at night that you don't eat after that. You're doing it, you're doing exactly right. And then as you transition into fat adaptation, you go to, go to the spectrum where you're at, where you're having coffee and, and butter or cream in the morning, a real meal at a full, complete meal, but not a huge meal at lunch, and then a very light meal for dinner.
0: Right. And that's, I mean, I don't always do that if I'm meeting people for lunch or, or something like, or for dinner, then I'll have like a regular dinner. Um, but I don't.
1: Absolutely, once you're adapted, just uh, people need to know adopt the eighty twenty thing. That that as long as that's your normal pattern, the occasional deviation isn't the end of the world.
0: Right, and I I'm pretty social, so and especially around the holidays, I've gone to a bunch of different events, and um, I'll eat the app, you know, a little bit of the appetizer there. But you know, like I said, I don't feel like I have to go crazy, and I don't overdo it
1: yep 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 no that's 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 exactly right, so these are all really key things people need to need to be aware of because you know in this fat burning world, everything gets flipped on its head, and um because all the things they tell you not not to do in in the conventional healthy diet you know yet having to do and it's actually healthy for you it's just like the whole thing about saturated fats um being bad for you, that's still something people quite can't get over because you hear people talk about, oh, starting to be, you know, improve their fat burning. So they use healthy, good fats and they're, you know, they're using olive oil and avocado oil, which are fine, but then they start cooking with this, with oils they shouldn't be using and they keep telling you to stay away from the saturated fats where when you're fat adapted, your body actually prefers to burn the saturates.
0: Right. I eat mostly saturated fat. I eat a lot of yeah. butter and then I have tallow and yep. um, I just got a half of a grass fed cow, which, and I asked the butcher not to trim any of the fat off of it. So it's pretty fatty. And then yep. I, I cook with, I have a lot of, um, I use lard and a yep. lot of bacon grease because who doesn't like bacon?
1: I yep. Yep. But, and interestingly enough, you know, like, like from a, from a conventional health standpoint, you know uh, bacon fat and lard has less saturated fat than than um butter but but the thing is is it's full of monounsaturated not not the polyunsaturates and 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 for years under that high carb low fat diet they were telling you eat polyunsaturates and and like your omega three and omega six um uh polyunsaturated uh Oils you need to have some in your diet, but you don't need to have too much because if you're a lipidologist or organic chemist, you learn that that polyunsaturated fatty acids are very unstable and oxidize easily. So while you need some, too much is is a recipe for disaster, especially in combination with a, with a lot of carbs. And so saturated fats are actually much more stable, and and that's why our body will store them or not use them because it's a safer it's a safer um fat rather than the um polyunsaturated which actually oxidizes and I know this is kind of technical but this is the you know the the geek geek podcast so right. we want to we want to give you some of the science to to you understand
0: Oh no I think it's great because yeah. um I think people want to know why
1: Back to this recovery from your event you know um you don't have this overarching hunger so as long as you keep yourself active and getting this pattern you should notice that you're actually hunger suppressed Mm -hmm. and and that's a good thing and and so you you know post event you want to do you know be be aware i don't want you to be i want i don't want people to be stressing about be aware uh, to eat nutrient dense nutrient bioavailable foods um whole eggs you know you should have some sort of liver product in there at some point um during the, during the first few days after your recovery, along with muscle meat and broth and, you know, fresh vegetable, cooked fresh vegetables. And then one of the things that goes along with what you're saying about um adding fat to your diet is, is like for all of you people out there, my saying is when in doubt, add a pat of butter. So right. you just want to always have the butter and salt and make it tasty and rich when you're cooking your vegetables. So like steamed broccoli, steamed, um, asparagus, you know, all, you know, uh, squash and just, you know, make sure that when you serve it, put plenty of butter and salt and pepper on it to taste and make it rich or, or, you can do a holiday sauce, you know, all these kinds of rich foods. So once again, you know, when people get this down and you probably note this, you don't feel like you're being deprived at all. You actually feel like you're eating a much richer diet and, you, and you're not being held hostage by it.
0: No, it's super easy. And especially if you're, I'm a big proponent of broth. I like the broth and I make a ton of soups. But, um, I even add fat to the soups. You can always add cream and, uh, um, extra butter and, um, and vegetables. And, and you're always, you know, broth makes you full and it helps heal your gut lining. So if you have, you know, digestive problems, it, it helps with that. But I, I'm pretty, content with, with the food that I'm eating. And I've, I've been, my new experimentation is uh with um, exploring more organ meats. I use a lot of liver in my broth, which makes it taste pretty good. And actually I'm going to post the, the world's best bone broth recipe. I've been experimenting quite a bit and I've got it down to where it's pretty awesome page in my uh, website. And also I'll put a link to it on, on the vest on Peter's site. So if people want to to eat it but i think whenever you're satisfied you don't feel deprived and and you don't feel you feel good so that limbo period if you don't get it right you're not going to feel good but once you get everything dialed in you're more alert and you feel feel great
1: yeah and and like like we were saying before because you're because people are exercising at a relatively high rate you can tolerate Some level of carbs if they're strategically put in the diet and in your fueling. So you want, you, you want to be aware that, that optimized fat metabolism. Also optimizes what you're going to get from the carbohydrates rather than you're not going to. And, and part of this, I think maybe I've mentioned this in a previous podcast is that, that most of the published literature out there on ketogenic diets is done on relatively sedentary people. And so that the, when you're sedentary, the restrictiveness of the diet is there because for a reason because you just don't have the capability to tolerate a large spike in blood sugars and and i think a lot of this has to do with the physiology because when you're exercising you're inducing stress whether it's on one diet or another your body starts to adapt and and even high carb diet uh, athletes when they're doing endurance exercise most of them you know they're increasing their mitochondria count their muscle fibers everything that that You know, creates a bigger engine that that can tolerate it. But when you do it on a fat burning diet, especially a nutrient dense fat burning diet, you are going to make a lot more mitochondria and lot larger mitochondria. And and this science isn't out yet, but I I suspect it's going to be coming out with the faster study. Um, I just I do know from a comment Stephen Finney said to me that that the muscle biopsy data is just unreal in terms of the differences, the physiological differences between a high carb and a low carb runner. And I, I suspect a lot of it's going to have to do with the mitochondria because, um, one of the things that a high carb diet does is it's very, you know, it, it's, you, carbs are because, you know, because they work well for, for high intensity and quick, quick energy, they, they burn quickly. And so, you know, that whole quick burning, uh, uh, pathway that, glucose provides also means they oxidize, which means they burn quickly, which means they'll burn your cells out. And, and let's, you know, let's make the connection like, like there's a growing body of thought among researchers that, um, that insulin resistance is, is developing in people because, um, what it is, is, is that the cells are being resistant to, insulin that you know the insulin is knocking on the door and saying i got a package of sugar for you and what happens is the cells are saying hey i'm i'm too burned out i can't i can't do this anymore and so yeah yes so they they burn the oxidative stress has is so much that it's the cells way of saying no i can't deal with this anymore and and so you you know this is this is one thing that's that's well known so and even in in endurance athletes there's a well observed but not well studied yet um, phenomenon of what they call transient insulin resistance because you know they you're told that exercise helps your insulin levels helps you make make burn sugar better but what what we're actually seeing is in high carb athletes in in even low carb athletes, you know, when you're talking about the ultra endurance stuff, people will develop transient insulin resistance just because of the level of oxidative stress they're going through. And so what that translates to in, in real world terms is, is, is sugar burns quickly. And so if you got too much of it and you're burning it too quickly, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna burn up your, your cells. And this is, this is one of the reasons why you want to stay away from it most of the time
0: right and i wanted to comment a little bit on that um so on my long bike rides i that was my opportunity to get uh to get sugar so i your, your roll your
1: roll effect my Rolo, it's, it's.
0: yeah although i i'd also experimented with snickers and mounds and almond joys if i ate a little bit i would feel good um but if i ate too much buy a candy bar and give half to someone else and eat the other half myself. A couple times, no one else wanted the other half, so I thought, what the heck? I don't want it to melt in my pocket. I live in Phoenix. It's going to turn to mush. Um, and I didn't want to throw it away because I'm cheap. <laughs> so I uh, I ate it, the whole thing and I didn't feel good after that. It was like too much sugar at, at once and that was when I was earlier into the program and I, I was, you know, looking forward to the sugar that the, you know, the candy that I was going to be able to eat. And now since I'm further along the program, it's less and less sugar that I crave or even want. So even though I can have them during my bike rides um, or runs, I don't typically overdo it anymore either.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's an important thing when we're, when you're in an event or a a race simulated uh, training um, session, you want to take in the carbs and, 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 but you don't want to take in too much, the hard candy, but like, like, like the half of snicker bars is about a hundred calories or so. And that's about all your body's going to really tolerate well. And, and do you notice like 10 minutes later, you're like, want to push on the gas?
0: Yeah. you know what? I don't feel it as much. It's a little more subtle than that. So I know you had said like, Oh, take in some salt and take in some, you know, some sugar, and see how you feel like a half, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour later. I don't really get that jump. I'm better off. i found for me, I'm better off taking in like the size of one little rollo or a piece of hard candy. And actually hard candy seems like it's too fast of sugar. I mean, huh? I think I still am not, I'm a little sensitive to, to sugar. If I do a little tiny bit. I feel really good. If I do, you know, more than like the Rolos or a half of a candy bar, any more than that, like it just bogs me down.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's consistent with somebody who was an endurance athlete on a high carb, low fat diet and then started to develop issues. Um, that's, you know, that sensitivity to much, you know, really pure sugar. Um, is, is, is your, you know, your, your body is, is down regulating blood flow to the the internal organs, i.e. your stomach and gut, and because of say previous damage to the stomach and gut lining and stuff like that, you you may just have that sensitivity that um you know, the combination of down regulation, which means your body is basically putting the internal organs on sleep mode, so your your ability to digest is pretty limited to just a little bit. And so for everybody, it's a little different. So you're take you're taking in less, you know, that's why, that's why we don't sit down and have full meals and then try and go out and exercise right away. Right. You know, your body and, needs that, that blood to digest.
0: And I don't know, do you, I, my opinion on, on things in, in general is like, after I, I get leaner, and my gut's a little better and healthier that that may change. Cause I think it's a, you know, health and nutrition is sort of a, it's a little bit of a moving target, depending on the state you're in, the state you're going to, and the state you had in the past. Be able to digest more. I mean, right now, I, I have, I still have plenty of fat to burn on me.
1: Yeah, I think, I think actually you will, um, especially as you get lighter and, and learn to race a little hungrier. Um, but, but the thing is that what people are gonna notice is it's a, like you say, it's a moving target. I can't give a firm answer because it depends. If it's a hot day in Tucson or Phoenix, you, you know, pretty much all you're gonna do is, is be pu- pumping down the water and salt because your body, your, your stomach and gut is gonna be on such a low level that it can only tolerate a sugar drip, like a piece of hard candy stuck between your cheek and gum. And and just letting it melt slowly away because it just you know it can't digest because it's it's basically shut down. Um, whereas you can you can absorb water and salt through osmotic potential. So the right combination of salt and water to keep yourself hydrated and maintain your blood volume. Yeah, it can do that because it's not actually digesting. But but trying to process some sugar and fat, whether it's a Rollo or a piece of candy. It's going to be really down. So yeah, maybe on a given day, you'll be able to tolerate more sugar if the, if the conditions are the same. But if it turns hot, not so much.
0: Right. And another thing that I've noticed too is, um, before I started this program, I, I didn't sweat that much. I was not a sweater and I didn't, the more water I drank, I just felt more and more bloated. So I wasn't drinking a lot of water on bike rides and now I sweat a ton more, which I think is good. It's my body's health is cooling off and thirstier and the salt. I feel like I sweat out a lot more salt. I take in a lot more salt, but in general, I feel a lot better overall. Before, if I did a, a long ride, by the end, I would be pretty, pretty bloated. Um, and some of it would be because I took in goos or gels or, or whatever. I followed the conventional wisdom, you know, every hour doing or 45 minutes doing a goo by the end, I couldn't have even for sixty miles. Probably two bo- two water bottles was too much, and I would be bloated at the end. And now, um, I'll go through two bottles and probably want another one. And um, didn't take in near as much sugar. I I do the Vespa, and I probably would have had like one or two pieces of like small candy, and that's and that's about it. And I I would be fine.
1: Yeah. And that's something people, you know, once again, we go back to this thing in the, in the, in a fat burning world, everything changes and that fear that's been driven into everybody's psyche about salt and saturated fat. I, I, I want to invite people to really look at the physiology and research because, when, you know, when you get back to burning fat as fuel, which is our natural heritage and then what we're meant to burn for aerobic exercise you really need the the fat and the salt and and you know you don't need the fat in the in the intake you're just burning your body fat and whatever fat you had from your your previous big meal but but salt and and what people don't understand uh, because of this this fear of 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 salt is that your blood is just full of salt and 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 it's eighty percent of the electrolyte profile in it, so so when we're talking about calcium and potassium and other things on a cellular level, yeah, it's a more balanced approach. There's less sodium, more potassium and calcium and other um minerals but but in the blood it's it's salt and 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 because um you're not pulling off your glycogen stores. When you're in a fat burning state, you're not pulling off the the water and salts, the electrolytes that are in the in this glycogen because glycogen is stored with, you know, every molecule glycogen stores store, stored with four molecules of water and electrolytes. So you know that is those are two two big things. And then the other thing is when you release the energy in fat, you're releasing four to six times the ATP. So a lot of Heat is created on a cellular level, you know, in your mitochondria, those engines of your cells. So you have to cool it. So it's just, as you're noticing and everybody else notices, it's just the hydration requirements go way up. And and if you don't do that, you'll have what they call hypovolemia, which is your is contraction of blood volume, and it'll feel like a slow bonk, and then all of a sudden it'll turn into a real ugly bonk where you crater, and it, and people think it's bonking, but it's really your blood. Blood volume is is contracting, and this is this is this in sedentary terms is known as the Atkins flu. And like you were saying, you know, your your friend who's ninety years old, as soon as you got some more spurt right up,
0: right. Well, this lady's not ninety. The lady who with the salt and the stuff is about seventy two. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, through. yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, I guess uh, you know I switch clients, without – that one. but she yeah. yeah she's um, following the program and talked to her and she was feeling pretty rough. And I said, you know, just Add a whole bunch of salt and let me know in a half an hour. I called her back in a half an hour. She was already starting to perk up.
1: Yep. 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 So, So.
0: yeah, it's a, I think it's a big disservice what the, what, what information we're given. And it hurts people thinking about just how everything sort of flip flopped. And it's a whole, there's a multi step process into getting to where, you know, your body's working right. And when you initially told me it takes about two years to get it right to get where it's where everything's clicking i thought no freaking it's going to take that long i didn't say i can see how it takes 2 years to get all the tweaks and to get optimized
1: you right know? and it's really it really takes about a year to do exactly what you're saying there the tweaks and get it optimized but then it's another year of just getting it to where mentally, you just don't even think about it, you know, you you just, you, you know, the whole thing where you're, when you learn to drive or ride a bicycle, you're, you're, you're thinking about everything you're doing, you can't do it, and then after you learn to ride a bicycle, you don't think about our touch type, or any of these kind of skill sets that initially require um, conscious thought, and then all of a sudden, once your brain figures it out, you're subconscious, and this is, this is key to the whole optimizing fat metabolism, is, is the, the human brain you know, we, th- we think and do in terms of teaching and talking about things in conscious level stuff. So you read something, you hear it, you consciously absorb it. But the body is actually much more capable of doing, you know, manifold, like thousands of times more functions in a subconscious state. You know, when you're in that zone.
0: Everything's on autopilot, like driving yeah. a car. Right now, I, I have to not as much as i did initially but i i still think about what i'm doing it's not like unconsciously i i grab the right foods when i think about what's for dinner i have to like go through a few steps of well does this fit the criteria
1: yeah exa- exactly and and so that's where the 2 years uh you know 2 years usually if you're doing it right and you're on the proper trajectory cuz cuz um you know it's been what about 6 months since things really started to click
0: yeah I mean, I think the first three months was sort of touch and go um and then the, the next three months after that was it's like yeah. really been dialed in, and I feel like it's getting better and better i initially when I first dropped into ketosis, I was getting horrible horrible leg cramps, and i that's when I really had to up the salt. I still have a little bit of a hard time adding enough salt. I mean, for me, I mean, I should probably just put some in water and drink it in the morning because I need so much of it, and then, um making sure I get enough fat i um that one I still have to do because I have to consciously add fat and um yeah so th- yep. i because I slip back into not a, enough fat and and then I start to feel the difference the I slip into lower fat and lower um low salt. And so I consciously have to make sure that I get the fat and the salt. Because for me, to make it work right, I need, a, I would say, at least a couple teaspoons of salt a day. And I probably, um, you know, at least probably a couple more tablespoons of fat that I have to add to make it work.
1: Yeah. And and this is the thing. It's like I think right now um, the, the RDA is 2,000 or 2,500 milligrams of sodium a day. For a sedentary person, which is really – for a fat-adapted sedentary person, it's about – that's less than half of what you should have. It's half or less than half. I think it should be five or six grams. And If you're an athlete, especially somebody living in Tucson, that's going to be a lot more. But keep in mind, Stephanie, that besides the salt, um, you should be – maybe look at things like olives, pickles, feta cheese. Like rich cheeses have a lot of salt in them.
0: I do that. I mean I still eat – I was initially having a hard time with cheeses, like they were making me feel bloated, and I, I, Stopped eating the cheeses for a little while, and I've added them back in, and I and I'm tolerating them now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, a limited amount. If you tolerate, if you have a dairy issue, you're you're absolutely right, as you need to be watch that. But like, there's things like olives. I mean, people yeah. need to be aware that there's certain foods out there that that are contain a boatload of salt. Right.
0: And I, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And you you live in you live in the Valley of the Sun, so yeah. <laughs> makes sense. So the, the, so anyway, on 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 to to get back to this whole thing is is you know, you want to recover. We want people to understand they need to get the rest. And if they feel like going out and exercising after a big event, do easy recovery runs just to get move and get blood flow to help recover. And, but take the time and not to stress and all that, because we want to use that, that event so that the recovery phase, you're taking the stress of that event and your body's adapting and getting stronger. So part of it's, like we said, eating the nutrient dense, nutrient bioavailable foods, and getting the rest and, and one of the things is is like people should understand that, that if, if this is right, they should be getting these HGH surges. So they'll wanna take naps. So try and program your life to where you can get a nap in and instead of fighting it with some caffeine or and or sugar, um, you know, go with the nap, take a twenty minute power nap or an hour power nap. Um, because if you're getting that HGH surge, your human growth hormone surge, that's that's a powerful tool that if you can take that nap and get that extra rest you'll you'll get your body's going to get stronger so right. all these all these signs or are, are you can take that event and actually go go from it and use it from periodization you may make, need to take two or three weeks off meaning doesn't mean you don't exercise but you keep it at a nice low easy level to come back and and keep that physiological stressor from getting too high and triggering a stress response.
0: Right. When I got back from, from tour to Tucson, we got back to Phoenix. I came home and in the morning, you know, I got up normal time and I took a nap in the afternoon. That was probably four hours and I felt great. And then I got up and a lot of times folks take a nap and then they can't go to sleep later. So I got up, And then went to bed at my normal time and woke up the next day at my normal time. And it was like, I was right back in sync. I wasn't, it didn't mess me up.
1: Yeah. So for the first two or three days that may occur. And if you can go with that, you'll be amazed at the results. And, and, you know, of course, when you do that, 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 that whole fat burning capability and carbohydrate tolerance goes up with it. So that's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a interesting thing. So, so always look at. Your training and events as a way to adapt and get stronger. And, and, and the advice is to look at this. Okay. How can we look at underlying this? How do we do with the, the optimizing? How do we optimize the fat burning component out of this workout or event? Because if you, if you focus on getting your body to burn fat, the carbs are actually going to work better. And, um, you know, And the other thing we want to leave people with is do your research, get the information so you understand what is going on. And like we talked before off air... That everybody's looking for that easy answer and we're not trying, you know, you and I aren't trying to give them an easy answer because we know it's not that easy, both from our personal experience, my experience working with a number, number of athletes. I mean, everybody is an N of one. We're all the same, but we're all different. We all have different situations. So while the physiology is very basic and similar, you know, the genetics, the situational, um, uh, aspects all these things have variations to where you know to find each person's way to get trigger their body to get back to that um physiological state of wanting to burn fat for aerobic exercise is it's going to be markedly different on the surface but the physiology is the same
0: right and it's a little tweaking here and there to get to get things dialed in and uh you know i'm looking forward to continuing to do well and you saw my post on Facebook. I ended up signing up for the death ride.
1: Yeah, and- I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for.
0: I know. So um, I'm getting lighter. I have like a lot more power now. It would be a good goal. Well, but- that,
1: that's super. And what you guys should do, what I recommend you do is is you guys take some, you know, three-day – uh, vacations up at the Flagstaff area because you're going to need the altitude acclimatization. Oh yeah.
0: And I have friends who live in Flagstaff that I would be more than happy to have an excuse to go visit them. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So those are the things you do and and for the audience, you know, just just be patient with this. It 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 works, but you know, you know, like I say, I want people to wrap their heads around it because, you know, we're talking about changing 40 years of a of a dogma that's been set in people's minds and 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 as i've said to people you know what happens is when you when you embed fear in the psyche of people it's a very it's very tough to dislodge them and you can control them and this is this is part of the problem is the politics like the politics we have now uh the politics of food and health are are very political and and people you know, well-meaning people have embedded this fear thing in people's psyches. And, you know, when you combine fear in somebody's psyche with food, which is, has to do, which is a primitive, you know, um hunger, uh hunger and survival thing, it's pretty tough to dislodge. So, you know, the whole thing about saturated fat and cholesterol and salt going to kill you. Um, when the science clearly shows it's much more complex than that. And actually, you know, we need those for survival when we look at our, our, how our bodies are made and, and what they're meant to survive, you know, in terms of a, a primitive man type of thing. That's, you know, we're trying to get you back, not to a primitive state, but to the state we're meant to be in.
0: Right. To, to have a, a good quality of life. Because before I'll tell you my quality of life, was not good it wasn't good i i didn't feel good i didn't have energy i would ride with my friends and and would get like a cortisol adrenaline burst you know in order to stay up with people and then afterwards i would feel like hell so and i kept getting fatter and slower those yeah that's
1: that's a stress response kicking in it's like survival response so as a female you're like, oh, something's going on here. I, I need to hold on to this because I may be incapacitated.
0: Right. It was it was a, the worst of all case scenarios. <laughs> so, yeah. and that's what you know. Luckily, I I was able to get in. You know, I was injured, and in later recovering from that and really doing the ton of research to find out like where I had gone wrong. But a lot of times, folks, they have. Metabolic states bad, thin or, or fat or whatever. And they have something a lot worse go on because their body breaks down. You get cancer, wherever you have weakness, heart disease, become diabetic because that was too much stress on my body and something's going to, something's going to break to slow you down. So
1: yeah, yeah. And that's something important we need to address right now is like, like the fat burning works if you're basically healthy, but if you have a, an underlying condition, and it's, you're doing everything right and it's not working. You know, it means your body's stressed and, and you address that really well. Stephanie is, is if your body's under a stress, cortisol, um, adrenaline type of situation, it's not going to want to burn fat. And, and so if you have an underlying condition, I've seen this a few times. Um, and it's not, and so the, and the fat burning isn't working. You know, some really good blood panels, and seeing an endocrinologist or a naturopath who really gets it to find out what's going on there, and addressing that first. And you may require some level of carbohydrates and nutritional, you know, you know, eating nutrient dense fresh foods, but but at the same time keeping a few more carbs in there until you uh, can address the underlying cause to be able to, to go into triggering, you know, full blown ketosis or fat adaptation
0: right because we're all we're all about getting healthy and um and doing well not just doing well sometimes people pay the price of their health for a a result and we i want it all i want good health and good results so yeah
1: exactly and so so somebody like 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 if you've got celiac, if you get full blown celiacs or you get adrenal fatigue or, you know, you, you lose your gallbladder, you know, which, which means you have to add, you know, bile salts back in to emulsify the fast, you know, the, all these different, there's a whole multitude, plethora of things out there that could be going. And, and, and I don't think it's for the majority of people, but like I said, if it's, if, if we're if you're doing it and it's not working uh and you're addressing all the the commonly fixable things like the salt and getting enough fat and low enough protein in there um there may be something else going on it might be food allergies because your stomach and gut have gotten so uh wrecked um so we we want to you know we want to caution people that like I, like i said this is doable and as stephanie knows once you get it going for you it gets easier and easier but we, you know, it's not—it's not simplistic. It's not like take a pill or take even to take a Vespa and you're going to be great. Um, It's—it's more—it's more complicated than that, and, and it takes a commitment. You know, if every—if was easy, everybody'd be doing it.
0: Yeah, it's not that hard of a commitment. <laughs> it's yeah. like if yeah. you—if you tried everything before and you got really bad results, it's a pretty easy commitment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing that I wanted to mention is, it's not, I just forgot, we forgot to mention that. Um, and it's not th- to end the program trying to hawk some Vespa, but, uh, what we found has been very successful. Um, <clears throat> is when you're transitioning and you might not be exercising, but, but part of a, a good strategy to, to get your meals down to three meals a day is, is in your work day, uh, say on a normal person's work day, Taking a Vespa at nine o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the afternoon instead of snacking at 10 and three, um, is a good way to help kill that hunger trigger. Um, and I'll often do that when I want to drop weight and I'm not exercising, is I'll take, take a Vespa and use it to kill, you know, 20 minutes later, I'm just not hungry and I'm working.
0: Right. Take a walk and take a Vespa so you are not thinking about food before, while you're waiting for it to kick in.
1: That, that's right. That's right.
0: No. well, great, Peter. Well, thank you so much for your information, and I appreciate all your help. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate all the help that you're offering to really get people on the right track.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and please have your uh, listeners send you feedback how we want to orient these these podcasts and 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 help them to get the information they need and the and the methods. So I'm right. more than happy to adapt everything to that.
0: Right. And we had talked earlier about getting some of the athletes that you coach to talk about their results because I think success stories are very compelling. So I would like to talk to, you know, we'll discuss that later about getting some folks who've really, uh, besides me, who've had good success. And um, because some of their stories are really amazing.
1: Yeah, they're pretty compelling. Yeah. And uh, we can go, I'll get some of the elite athletes, but we also should get more athletes that, that fit your profile. Like my, my neighbor across the street, she's actually a nurse and <clears throat> we had a conversation a couple of years ago because she was, she's a school nurse and she was discussing how some of these blood sugars she was seeing in her students was off the charts. And I'm telling her this and, and it was sort of st- sitting in, but not, and then, you know, she, she went a year and then all of a sudden she read another book about this and the light bulb went on and, and. Now she's posting all over Facebook and her body composition has completely changed. She was always running and she wasn't like obese, but she was looked puffy. And now she's like thin, you know, she's 56 and thin and real thin and running better than she ever has.
0: Right. Because that's what, you know, it's almost, you feel like you're aging backwards. I've told you before, I probably at no point in my life ever felt really good. Um, I wasn't probably puppy younger, I was never lean. So, I mean, on the spectrum of not being able to handle carbohydrates, I was probably on the low end just genetically yep. and um, and always wanting to be leaner. And I, it was like t- chasing, a, I feel like a cat chasing a, a, you know, a LED light or something that, or a laser light that I, it's a goal that I, it's something I'm never going to meet eating like that. The less I, the more I cut the fat, the more I up the carbs and, and, you know, we talked before I, you know, tried the vegan diet and, um, I ended up a train wreck. I mean, instead I never reached my goal and now I'm 45. I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, a few, few months, not that long, not even a whole year. I already feel better than at any point in my whole entire life. So I had 45 years of feeling like crap.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get some other athletes on, but more specifically, let's, let's do a podcast about the female journey, not, not just the physiology, because it is, it is tougher. And, um, I'm, I'm a male and I know it, uh, and I know it's very different, uh, because I you hear a lot of people out there on the web, uh, doing podcasts and doing blogs, um, that, that are men and, and, and they, they say they get it, but not really, and it's you know all things female it's complicated and <laughs> and uh you know what you're talking about you know we we, we want to i want to leave the thing that this this podcast that that you know we'll talk about this in the next one, but this whole thing of of the whole body image, the social cultural things just add to the physiological complications you know they almost make it worse well they leverage those those physiological complications of getting it right. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's a very, uh, important thing to address. And, and one of the people I'm going to try and get on the podcast is Nikki Kimball. And she openly talks about this whole thing. Um, and, and, you know, she's an elite athlete and Right. I'm a huge fan of Nikki Kimball's too. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and so she battles depression and, and all these things and it, it all stems from, you know, body image things and performance image things being put on or, you know, the societal pressures to perform both in school and in athletics and then being told you're fat and you got to eat more carbs and eat less fat. And it just, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a perfect storm. And I think a lot of females have suffered, suffered the consequences, uh, of this. So, you know, we'll make that another, uh, a specific podcast.
0: That sounds perfect. Well, okay. I know I want to take all your day, and thank you so much for your time, Peter, and all, all that you're doing to help people really reach their goals and do well.
1: Yep. Well, thank you very much, Stephanie, and uh, look forward to future podcasts. Awesome. Right. Talk to Have you later. Have a day.